Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. So glad you could join us as we kick off a brand new year right here on Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas, out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo will be smaller in 2021. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. A Texas working dog is a finalist for the Farm Bureau Farm Dog of the Year contest. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll introduce you to Ajax on Texas Ag Today. Hay feeding season has begun. When purchasing hay for livestock, nutritive value should be a priority. We will discuss the importance of a forage analysis for feeding hay. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. The San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo will look a bit different in 2021. According to the San Antonio Express News, event organizers say attendance will be held to around 120,000 people. That is less than 10% of last year's turnout. The rodeo and any concerts that take place will not be held in the AT&T Center. Instead, they'll be held in the smaller Freeman Coliseum. Attendance will be limited. Attendees must undergo temperature checks and wear face masks. The 2021 San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo is slated for February 11th through the 28th. Details are available at sarodeo.com. That is sarodeo.com. Registration for the 2021 Commodity Classic will open in a few weeks. This year's event was originally slated to be held in San Antonio, but due to coronavirus restrictions, it will now be held online. The annual event connects farmers with each other and with agricultural stakeholders. It will include educational sessions and presentations. The event will be held March 2nd through the 5th. Registration opens on Tuesday, January 26th. Details are available at Commodity Classic. The Noasis San Patricio County Field Crop Symposium will be held January 7th online. The deadline to register is January 6th. A link to RSVP is available on today.agrilife.org. Livestock producers are expected to see more feed cost inflation in 2021 than they've seen in a decade. According to CoBank, the U.S. animal protein sector is expected to see a 12% increase in feed costs in the new year. A new report from CoBank's Knowledge Exchange Division says cattle feeders and hog and chicken producers will pay higher prices for feed due to higher corn and soybean meal futures. The increase in feed prices comes at a difficult time for livestock producers as they faced tight margins in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic and its impact on packing plants and prices. 
prices. CoBank says there will be tighter windows of opportunity for the livestock and poultry sectors to profit in 2021. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The $900 billion coronavirus assistance package is signed, sealed, and aid will soon get delivered to agricultural producers around the country. Ethan Lane is vice president of government affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. He says the aid package will contain several good things for cattle producers. Because of the way Congress does business anymore, these big omnibus bills end up sort of being a wrap up of how we've spent the whole year. You know, we've been dealing with market shocks from coronavirus and a lot of those issues with packing capacity, dealing with the CFAT program and things like that. And so it's nice to see a lot of that work we've done throughout the year reflected in this final package. We saw another round of CFAP is going to be included in this specifically targeted at those producers that were left out of that original CFAP 1 program. Producers who sold cattle early in 2020 found themselves in a tough spot. If they marketed cattle after April 15th up to May 15th, they really kind of got the short end of the stick. They had the worst of the market conditions and didn't get those same payments as the pre-April 15th uh, sellers did. It's going to push some additional resources to those producers specifically to kind of get them a little more assistance through the CFAP program. There's also some language in there that establishes the Federal Livestock Dealer Trust that has been worked on for quite some time. The language was originally part of what was called the SALE Act, and that was included in there as well. Lane says cattlemen also got language dealing with process capacity included in the bill. We also got the Ramp Up Act included in this bill, which is a processing capacity bill that we've been working on with Oklahoma's own Frank Lucas for all of this year. This was a huge win for Congressman Lucas, identifying the need to push some resources out to those state-inspected meat processing facilities that are looking to get into the federal inspection system. That's an expensive process, helping to provide some grants and some money to get them into that stream and allow for marketing of their product across state lines is a huge win for us. It's something our producers have told us they wanted. And there's yet another win in the bill for cattle producers when it comes to their taxes. If you took a PPP loan that was forgiven during the process, this bill clarifies that will not be included in taxable income. And additionally, it clarifies that deductions are allowed for expenses that were paid with the proceeds of that forgiven PPP loan. So there's a lot in here for producers that engaged in this system throughout the year, took advantage of the resources that were provided in order to kind of weather this COVID-19 pandemic storm we've all been in part of. NCBA's Ethan Lane. A Texas working dog is a finalist for the Farm Dog of the Year contest. Gary Joyner has more. He's a border collie. His name is Ajax. He works hard every day to bring free-range sheep in from the pasture on the Ender Farm in Texas. He also occasionally pins the sheep, brings them to water, and helps load them on the truck. And Ajax does this with only one eye after an injury as a pup cost him his sight in the other eye. Ajax enriches the life of his owner Alexis by teaching her how to listen not just to a dog, but to all animals as well as other people. Sound impressive? He is. So much so that Ajax is one of the 10 finalists nationally for the Farm Bureau Farm Dog of the Year contest. The contest celebrates farm dogs everywhere who work alongside their people to bring nutritious food to our table and our pets' bowls. The American Farm Bureau Federation teamed up with Nestle Purina for the third annual contest. The award is always a crowd favorite. A panel of judges selects the winners. Judging of the contest is based on nomination materials submitted. Desired attributes in the Farm Dog of the Year are helpfulness to the farmer and his, her family, playfulness, and obedience. From all that I've read about Ajax, he just might be top dog. The winner will be announced in January. Good luck, Ajax. 
I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Hay feeding season is underway, and it's important to know what nutrients are in that hay before you feed it. Dr. Vanessa Olson reports from East Texas. One of the first considerations when purchasing hay is that it should be based on individual animal requirements. For optimum production, forage quality should be matched as closely as possible to the needs of the animal. Low-quality forage can result in reduced animal performance and increased supplemental feeding costs. Whereas hay of sufficient quality, little or no supplementation will be necessary to meet the animal's needs. Keep in mind that not all forage or hay is created equal. There is great variation between forages and nutrient content. Several factors influence hay quality, such as maturity, forage species and variety, fertilization, temperature, leaf-to-stem ratio, and weather at harvesting. Regardless if you are buying hay or feeding the hay you raised, it is a good idea to test the hay to determine what, if any, supplementation will be needed when the hay is fed. When collecting samples, a good practice is to sample approximately 10% of the bales from a particular cutting or load using a hay probe. Oftentimes, a hay probe can be borrowed from your county extension office. Samples should be taken from bales that would represent hay from the entire field. After taking samples from 10% of the bales, combine the samples and remove a portion of the composite to send off for analysis. If you haven't done so already, now is the time to get a nutrient analysis of all available hay and forage. Sort your cattle based on their nutrient requirements, properly match available forage and hay to the different groups of cattle, and make sure their nutrient requirements are being met. Feeding cattle is never cheap, but producers with information about what they are feeding can be more efficient. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from East Texas with Texas Ag Today. Government payments to farmers are expected to fall here in this new year, but not by as much as we expected a month ago. Gary Crawford has the story from Washington. When 2020 began, most ag economists were thinking that direct government payments to farmers, you know, the usual farm safety net programs and such, those payments would be about $25 billion in 2020. But enter hurricanes, derechos, and COVID-19, and those payments are likely to be up to nearly... $47 billion. A huge chunk of the total net cash income of about $134 billion. USDA Chief Economist Rob Johansson says USDA was forecasting a huge drop in government payments to farmers for 2021. But of course, it looks like with the new aid package, there's going to be some additional assistance provided to producers up to $13 billion. It looks like that's likely to be rolled out in 2021. Johansa says there will still be a drop-off in government payments to farmers in 2021, but... That drop-off won't be quite as dramatic as we were expecting. This is Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This year's first day hikes will look a little bit different thanks to the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And most dogs are scared to go to the vet, but there are some ways to overcome that. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells how coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now... 
We're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Many dogs are scared to go to the vet. I know how they feel. I don't like going to the doctor, so I don't blame them. But there are some ways to overcome that. Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. Studies have shown that up to 75% of dogs presented to a veterinary clinic for an exam have some degree of anxiety and fear while in the clinic. A study published in the AVMA Journal revealed that fear among dogs can impair patient welfare, place veterinary staff at risk, and lead to incomplete and accurate exam of the dogs. One study indicated that 22% of owners would bring their dogs to the vet clinic more often if there was less stress. Fear of the dog at the vet clinic may be due to past experiences or separation from owners. In some vet clinics, it is common practice to remove dogs from owners and take them to the treatment areas. However, this may not be the best option in many cases. The AVMA Journal study found that the rate of barking, temperature, and heart rate were lower when owners were present for the exam. This suggests that owner presence can have a positive influence on the welfare of dogs during the exam, as it is believed the dogs experience less fear during the exam with the owners present. Female dogs seem to have a greater fear response than male dogs, and female dogs with the owners absent exhibited the most anxiety. It was also shown in the study that the less background noise present, the less anxiety the dog showed, and examination of the head area was the most stressful. The owners were not able to touch or pet their dogs during the exam, but just the owner's presence seemed to help the dogs. However, if the owner is also nervous, it can actually increase anxiety of the dog. So owners being present for all vet exams may not be the best option. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This year's first day hikes will look a little different thanks to COVID-19. Jessica Domel explains in today's Wildlife Report. Yesterday, we told you about welcoming the new year with a first day hike at one of Texas state parks. Today, we're once again joined by Stephanie Garcia, spokesperson for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. She says because there is a pandemic, the first day hikes this year will look a little different and park goers must take certain precautions. Just to help with social distancing, many of our hikes are actually going to be self-guided. And we do have some guided hikes that are going to be taking place throughout the state, but most of those are going to be limiting the number of people that are going to be on that hike just for safety precautions. We really encourage all of our visitors to just practice responsible recreation and follow those rules and local ordinances like wearing a mask when inside buildings and wearing a mask when social distancing isn't possible. But we really encourage everyone to check online with either the local state parks' social media page or just calling the park directly just for any travel updates just to make sure that when they get there, they know exactly what they need to do. First day hikes are part of a national initiative to get more people outdoors. We always want to encourage everyone to spend time in the outdoors, especially in some of these state parks and natural areas, just because it's a great way for you to spend time with the family and also enjoy some of the scenic beauty that we have in our state. And the state parks are a really great example of that because you can actually experience so many different types of environments because it's so varied across the state. You can hike, bike, walk, or even paddle during a first day hike. 
Keep in mind, state parks are still operating at a limited capacity. Consider reserving your day pass online in advance at texasstateparks.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Our agricultural markets wrapped up the year on a very positive note. Cattle futures closing higher and grains and cotton are at levels we never dreamed we'd see in 2020. We'll take a look at all of Thursday's closing livestock, grain, cotton, energy and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We wrapped up 2020 with a bang on Thursday, closing higher in the cattle complex, both live and feeder cattle futures ending in positive territory. December live cattle up 82 cents, 112.95. February up 57 at 115.02. April live cattle up 65 cents, closing the year at 119.25. January feeder cattle up 42 cents, 138.95. March feeders up 47, 140.22. The April up 12 at 141.77. Cash fed cattle market moving higher this week. Most of our cattle here in the south selling for 111. That's a dollar higher than a week ago. If you look up north, they sold some cattle in Iowa at 112. That's a live price, of course. 175 to 176 on the rail. That's as much as $4 higher compared to last week. Boxed beef prices lower. Choice down $1.28 at 209.25. Select down 299, 196.87. Let's check out the auction barns now. Of course, most of our auctions around Texas closed down here this last couple of weeks of the year for Christmas and New Year's Day. They'll get things started back up next week, but we can take a look back at the most recent sales we have. Today, we'll go to Carnes City Auction in Carnes City, Texas. Their last sale about 10 days ago, the volume was 390 head. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.45 to $1.60 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.42 to $1.72. Four to five weights, $1.45 to $1.65 a pound. Five to six weight steers, $1.25 to $1.55. Six to seven hundred pounders, $1.20 to $1.30 a pound. And the heavy seven to eight weight steers, $1.12 to $1.22 a pound. Slaughter cows, 30 to 52 cents. Slaughter bulls, 65 to 82. Stocker cows brought 725 to 850 ahead. Now back over to the futures market. Lean hogs took a big jump on Thursday to wrap up the year. February hogs up 267, closing at 7027. The April up $1.17 at 7225. Class 3 milk was lower. January milk down 26 cents, 1580 a hundredweight. February milk down 42 at 1749. 
Back in the spring when COVID hit, no one ever dreamed that we would see the cotton market near 80 cents again. It dropped about 24 cents from where we started the year. We made all of that up and then some. The spot in March contract ending the year seven cents higher than we started the year. It was just a lot of factors combining to help support prices. Of course, we had the hurricane activity that hit here in Texas and across other areas of the cotton belt. The weak U.S. dollar has helped to support prices, and that has helped to boost foreign demand for cotton. All of those teaming up to push cotton prices very near 80 cents as we wrapped up the year. March cotton up 15 points, 78.12. The May up 13, 78.70. The December 21 contract down 24 points, wrapping up the year at 74.87 cents. Same story in the grain markets. No one ever thought we would see hard wheat over $6 this year, but here we are. March, Kansas City wheat up two and a quarter, 603 and a half. July, Kansas City wheat up two at 607 and a quarter. July, Chicago wheat up a penny, 628 and a quarter. The corn market has been on a heck of a tear here at the end of the week. We wrapped up things on Thursday with the 14th straight day of higher closes in the corn market. A lot of that help coming from overseas. China in the market very strong here at the end of the year and look to continue to be a buyer of U.S. corn in the months ahead. Also, Argentina very short on corn supplies. In fact, they're stopping exports of corn until March 1st. So the U.S. is the big supplier in the world market right now, and that is causing a big boost in prices. March corn up nine and a half, 484 a bushel. September corn up three and three quarters, 446 and a half. December 21 corn up one and three quarters, 434 and three quarters. Energy markets, February natural gas up 11 cents, 254. February crude oil unchanged, 48.40 a barrel. The financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 190 points, 30,600. The Nasdaq up 13 at 12,883. The S&P 500 up 22 at 3,754. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Hope to see you then. Have a great new year. I'm Kerry Martin on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.